gymnast to get a professor and mentor of mine in my Luther Seminary days was the featured speaker at a theological conference I attended a few years later. I do not remember how we got onto the subject, but I quite clearly remember um, an observation he offered, that being the reason there exists such a thing as what we call a midlife crisis is that it takes 40 or 50 years for someone to realize they're going to die. And when they do, watch out. In that crisis moment, of course, um, things can actually go more than one way. Two ways, for sure. On one hand, um, acceptance. Even graceful acceptance as one works through whatever one must then to move forward in living one's life, possibly even doing so qualitatively better than one had been living before because values have been reshaped and priorities have been reprioritized and the take for grantedness of life and loved ones has been replaced by a new and deep appreciation of life and loved ones, the cherished gift of life and loved ones, both of which are to be loved and cherished while we have them, for we won't have them always. On the other hand, things can go in an entirely different direction when one feels the cold stare in the crisis moment of that realization, I am going to die. And that is the path of the full-blown midlife crisis, the oft-used medication for which is denial, and the oft-sought treatment for which, stereotypically, is divorcing the old person you're married to, buying a new red convertible instead of the old sedan or minivan that you've been driving, maybe getting a little work done, and then dating someone 25 years younger than you because, well, you're not dying. You're not even aging. You're young just like you've always been. One entirely identical realization, my mortality. Two entirely different reactions. A graceful and even life-enhancing and life-enriching acceptance of the truth or a death-denying and unintrospective run from the truth. I don't recall Jim citing anything other than pastorally anecdotal evidence to back up any of what I just said. But was he speaking any truth, do you think? Will one live life qualitatively better and more gracefully and more wisely when one accepts rather than runs from the reality of one's own mortality more gracefully and more truthfully? If yes, then this first day of this season in Lent, this, this Ash Wednesday, often thought of only with somberness, somberness which, if let's be clear, it is altogether worthy of, could also nevertheless too be thought of with gratitude. For with a cruciform smudge of ashes, accompanied by the words, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return, you are not only reminded of the reality of death, you are also invited to live a life that is real. For it is life that knows the truth of who you are and who you aren't. You aren't God. 
You are just like the dust of the earth and even actually of the dust of the earth, you are created by God. And then, like all living things on earth, you are breathed into with life that is a gift from God. You are dust, dust by God, breathed to life. You aren't God. To dust you shall return. So, so 20 years ago or so, I started listening to country music. And, and the reason I did is because my daughter had started listening to country music. And at that age, when she was like in seventh grade, I was rapidly running into complete irrelevance in her life. And so you grab anything you can to have some common ground, something to talk about. Country music. At that time, there was a country music song, the premise of which was a young man talking to an older man about the fact that a few years earlier, the older man had been diagnosed with a terminal illness. The younger man said to the older man, well, what, what, did, what did you do when you heard that? What was that like? And the answer comes, I mean, it's a country song. It's got to be a catchy chorus. The answer begins, he said, I went skydiving. I went Rocky Mountain climbing. I went 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, which is fine and catchy. Makes a good country music chorus, but then it gets, then it gets good. He said, I was finally the husband that most of the time I wasn't. And I became a friend a friend would like to have. And I finally read the good book, and I took a good, long, hard look at what I'd do if I could do it all again. And I loved deeper, and I spoke sweeter, and I gave forgiveness I'd been denying. He said, someday, someday I hope you get the chance to live like you were dying. And tomorrow was a gift. You've got eternity to think about what you'd do with it. What could you do with it? What did I do with it? What would you do with it? Maybe a corny old country song. It could also be its own kind of Ash Wednesday song. For in the words spoken with ashes, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You are given the opportunity, perhaps maybe more especially in these 40 days of Lent, to consider what would it look like to live, knowing you're dying? And so tomorrow is a gift. So what will you do with it? A friend of mine, wife's, called her a few weeks ago and told her about a young friend of his who died recently at the age of nine. The condition that eventually caused his death did not preclude his being an organ donor, and so he had been insistent very clear to his parents and his doctors that when he died, he wanted every single piece of him that could uh, be taken to give help or life to somebody else. It brought him joy knowing that it would happen. It wasn't the only thing that brought him joy. A few days before he died, he said to his parents, and don't worry about me. I'll be with Jesus. We all of us are mortal. We are born of the earth and we return to the earth. A depressing truth you want to deny? Or a life-affirming truth you want to embrace? As you live life knowing you're dying, what would doing that look like? A nine-year-old said it looks like generosity and love and not fear but faith. 
A country song once said it looks like repentance, love, forgiveness, mercy, and faithfulness. What do you say? What will you do because you're not God? You're a created and beloved child of God. And life right here and now today and every moment you're given from this day forward is a gift of God. The final thing, the smudge of ashes that accompanies the reminder of our mortality is not smudged on foreheads randomly. It is smudged in the shape of a cross. It is the cross, of course, which reminds us that when we say all things will die, that will include Jesus. Jesus, of course, from the other side of the cross, reminds us that when we say all things will die, in the end, in Him, that will even include, at last, the death of death.